Hi guys, I have James McCulloch of Inspire Group Asia with me here today. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. Um, James leads Inspire Group Asia um, in New Zealand and Australia, and he's going to talk a little bit more about that. And um, before he gets into the real meaty part of what we're going to talk about, which is the art and science of influence, as it comes to uh, leadership development, I will let James introduce what Inspire Group Asia does. Go ahead, James. Oh, thank you, Gerald. Thank you for the invitation. It's um, you know, it's great, great to catch up. And we could have been doing this in Malaysia, but here we are, both in our separate respective bubbles uh, in New Zealand. Um, so Inspire Group Asia is part of Inspire Group. Inspire Group is a New Zealand company. Uh, we're in New Zealand and Australia. I'd love to take the credit uh, for those two bits of the business, but we have some you know amazing leaders and, and a great founder who who set us up 20 years ago in New Zealand. The bit that I uh, lead is is the operation in Malaysia and the region, which is Inspire Group Asia. Um, but you know, wherever we are in the world, it's it's really the same aim, which is behavior change and trying to actually make work a better place to be. Uh, we spend about 10,000 days of our lives there after all. So e-learning, leadership development, um, a focus on simplicity, a focus on, on behavior change. And, um, and we've been doing that for about 20 years yeah, out of New Zealand, Australia, and now Malaysia. Excellent, James. I think that's uh, quite an uh, interesting challenge I think you have in your hands because the way I see it, leadership development is a very sort of uh, a difficult area to manage and navigate for many people. And I have a passion to help mid-career professionals to sort of overcome that aspect of their capability. So what do you see as the key uh, challenge for mid-career professionals when it comes to leadership development in this VUCA world that we are in? Well, it's just got so much more interesting, hasn't it, in the in the last few weeks and 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 day by day as well. Um, what I'd often say is is that one of the great challenges is that most leadership development doesn't actually make a difference. And if you look at the Harvard research, the McKinsey research, if you look at some of the works by Jeffrey Pfeffer as well, um, you know, most leadership development just doesn't stick. And it doesn't stick because it's not tailored. It's not impactful. And if you think, you know, just put aside leadership for a moment and think about anything that you want to learn, anything that you want to get better in, um, it really sticks and it really makes you change your behavior if it's relevant to you, if it's about the topics that you're in interested in, if it's actually going to improve your life in some way. So I think I think the challenge for leaders has always been how do they how do they develop? How do they invest their time and their money wisely? And how do they make sure that, that you know, the development that they're doing is actually going to help them with the challenges that they've got? Because, I mean, whether we like it or not, if we're honest with ourselves as leaders, there are things that are keeping us awake at night, things that trouble us. So I think the best development is the things that really help us tackle those issues, which are often the hardest issues to tackle as well. It's quite interesting you said that things that are relevant to them in terms of being tailored. So how do we actually address that sweet spot? Uh, when, you, when we talk about what's relevant to them, because we've got the organizational perspective at one end and we've got the team perspective on the other end, I'm assuming here, and the personal perspective. So how do we actually bring all of this together? Yeah, it's a great, a great question. And I think, um, you know, the most successful programs I've seen are the ones where, yep, there's absolutely an organizational objective and, and there's the team and where we're heading um, and, and leadership is defined. Great leadership is defined in that organization. Um, but they go a little bit a bit deeper and they, they actually look at what that means if you're at certain levels in the organization as well. Um, but the trick, I think, comes in the development itself. 
you know, I, we would have this expression, which is context over content. So leadership content is fantastic, okay? There's some great theories and models, but actually we don't transform and become a great leader through models. We become a great leader through practice and great discussion about the challenges that we're facing. So I think um, the trick is having a great facilitator or person leading those programs, whether they're face-to-face -face or virtual, that is able to take the conversation in the right way it needs to go for those particular leaders. And, and making sure the examples uh, that you're using uh, are actually real examples that those leaders are facing as well. Right. I think you mentioned context versus content. So it appears very strategic to me in that sense, right? Mm, and and yeah. it could differ from one person to the next. So in a group yeah. setting, how would you how would you bring about uh, uh, that context depending on where each person is sitting? Because it is it is situational, I presume. It is absolutely situational, and 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 also it it really relies on the individual feeling comfortable enough to raise those issues as well. So if we were sitting in some sort of program now, uh, talking about difficult conversations or coaching conversations or performance conversations, which, you know, all the research would tell us is the number one thing that leaders struggle with or whatever level they're at. Um, the way you can contextualize that for the group is to make sure that um, every single person is being tasked with thinking about a difficult conversation that they've been putting off. And of course, the example will be different for 16 people, 20 people in that room. They'll all have a different one. But the thing they'll have in common is that they've put it off. And the thing that they'll have in common is that probably by having that conversation, it would make quite a big impact to them or their team or that individual or even their lives as well. And I think, you know, that's that again comes down to having and I think it's the difference between training and facilitation. You know, lots of people can do training. A great facilitator can can create an environment where people can feel comfortable to bring that out as well. And, and I think that's that's just got a little bit more complicated in the last few days and weeks because great facilitators are able to do that in a room where there's that feeling of energy. You've got to replicate that now in a 90-minute, two-hour Zoom session. And there's some great ways of doing that, and we're seeing some great examples of that. But um, that's a completely different technique. Um, same Same principle, but how do you get that trust and how do you bring that out of people when they're not actually physically there in the room? Right. It's quite interesting that uh, how you manage to sort of adapt to the current situation that we are dealing with. You know, you're talking about Zoom and you're bringing across that learning virtually, right? Although you're not face to face, right? And yeah. and, and it, it's quite interesting when you say that you're able to sort of uh, move people to the next level. So I'm a firm believer, James, in, in, in that sense that you've got to make sure that we get the insight through first before there can be any form of action, right? And, and perhaps something that precedes that is the level of awareness as to where they are currently sitting. So how do you actually bring about this, this awareness, insight and action in that 90-minute session? And how do you manage this going forward? Yeah, I, I think it's it's challenging. Of course, it is, and it depends on the on the willingness of that individual as well. You know, we have this expression about working with the willing. Um, people have to have a pretty a pretty strong awareness of where they are already coming into any session. Um, there has to be um, some sort of desire that they actually want to change as well. Now, that desire might not be I want to be a better leader. It might be I would like to be able to get home better in, in better shape or an earlier or be in better better shape for my family I would like to sleep better I'd like to feel less stressed at work whatever that particular motivator is um, you know we tend to look for that and find that and I think the other the other trick is that you know the reason that a workshop 
can still be successful, whether it's a day or whether it's 90 minute bite size, is what happens around that. So what happens before going into it, the sort of preparation you're asking people to do, the thinking, the uh, the questions you're asking them, the questions you're asking of their team before they come in there as well. Uh, and also, you know, before you gather together again, because whether you're doing day long workshops or lots of bite size as a series of gatherings, um, what are you actually asking people to do before they come back together again? And how are you holding them to account? And, you know, the reality is I don't think you can really force people to do these things. You can't force people to participate. You can't force people to do their homework before they come. Um, but you can try and persuade them to find a way that, you know, to motivate them to do that because it will make a difference to them. Um, but again, it comes down to, to really strong facilitation. Right. So when you talk about facilitation, you touch on something very interesting. You talked about working with the willing and the motivational aspect of what is it that they're actually looking for, what's in it for them, right? And it's uh, quite interesting. So what do you do when you sense uh, that the person is not ready yet? You know, that's a famous Chinese saying, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I'm not sure they have heard of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. And and let, let's, let's be quite... Um, you know, frank about this. I think that um, you can have a great program, you can have great materials, a great facilitator, great digital things that happen around it. Um, and if, but if, but, but out of 14 or 16 or 18 people, there are going to be a, a, a section who are willing to, to give it a go. And there'll be a section who will just be willing to do any bit of development that's thrown at them. I want to be better leader. I want anything. And there's always a small percentage that are like, I'm just not sure this is even for me. And, if, and actually, if this is what leadership is about, then I'm 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 out. And I think that you know there are ways of of engaging that 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 sort of minority in any group. Some of that happens in the session. I think that every great bit of development for a leader should be accompanied by coaching, as well. I don't think coaching mm -hmm. should be some sort of optional thing. It should be the same uh, process. And I think often, and, and this is human nature, we feel more comfortable sharing some things on a one-to-one -one basis than we might in front of a group, particularly if that group happens to be our colleagues as well. So I think, um, you know, uh, remember how we learn and how we transform in any, in any, la uh, you know, any particular skill at the moment. We, we curate and we create a blade of blended learning for ourselves. We, we don't just do one thing. Uh, we probably Google it. We probably look on YouTube. We probably go onto a forum and we, we, you know, so we all learn in different ways. And I think, you know, where we see programs fail is when there's just one intervention, perhaps one uh, amazing retreat day and everyone gets fired up. But of course, it doesn't really make any difference going forward. So I think a little bit, um, you know, in terms of, you know, one size doesn't fit all, obviously. Right. So when you talk about sort of um, leadership interventions and sort of uh, work that uh, the participants need to do. There are always many aspects to it. So I'm trying to think about uh, how personality of leaders plays into what they are able, what comes naturally, what does not come as naturally in that sense. And uh, how do we help them to navigate that aspect of it, right? Uh, from a very basic level, people are oriented differently in terms of whether they are task-oriented or uh, people-oriented. And we know it takes both in order to get things done from it an organizational does, does. perspective. So how do you navigate, navigate that personality uh, differences when it comes to individual leadership development? I think people have to have a, a strong awareness of, of what that personality type and what their drivers are. 
I think that I think the the danger is that too many of us have been have had too many bad experiences with with profiles or assessments. Uh, and and what I would always believe with any with any particular bit of profiling out there is that the um, the, the magic and the importance is in the debrief. So if you were to look at some sort of assessment about your preferences or your style and you were to receive that back, uh, you know, in an email, naturally human nature is that we jump to the areas for development. We jump to the weaknesses. Oh, that's terrible. We don't look at the other stuff. Um, but a great coach, a great facilitator can help you debrief that and understand what that really means. So I think people generally need help to see that stuff. We're not I don't think we're the best judge ourselves of, of how we're always seen. Sometimes it works the other way. Sometimes I think we are our own worst critics as well. Um, so sometimes, you know, we need help seeing the good in ourselves. Um, but I think, you know, when I talked about the things that have to happen before, during and after any sort of development event, the before bit is definitely understanding who are you, um, you know, where, where are you on your leadership journey? What you perceive you at the moment and 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 actually thinking really long and hard about how you feel about your particular role or how you feel about the leadership journey that you've been on and you know i I would often say that that there can be you know what we would call accidental leaders an accidental leader is someone who is very technically good at something got promoted and got promoted it's like the old peter principle um and i think the job of, of leadership development is actually to help those people out of that situation as well. So, you know, those would be the people that would be struggling and they would get the coaching. And then, and actually what the coaching would help them determine is that, um, gosh, this isn't, this isn't right for you at all. You know, you were much happier <laughs> two jobs ago before you took on these new layers of, of leadership and stress. Um, so I think, I think you're right. I think that awareness uh, comes, but it's, you know, again, I can't stress enough the importance of having, you know, that really great facilitator and great coach in which you feel safe enough to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. I think the reason I posed that question, James, and what you've alluded to as well is the fact that it's not easy. I think you need to have a very high level of self-awareness to know where you're coming from and and what comes naturally to you and what doesn't as much. And I think this is where the struggle is for many people. When you look at whether it's it's a task-related leadership challenge or whether it is a people-related challenge, and normally we tend to struggle more with the people-related aspect of things, and and but we need both to in order to get the job done, right? And yeah. and and the other aspect that I find quite interesting is how do you actually make this leadership behavior stick for the long term in terms to make it sustainable. Because you don't want to be a one-hit wonder kind of a thing. It it just sort of lasts for a couple of months, and then after that it fizzles out, right? So how do we ensure yeah. that it sticks for the long haul? Yeah, that's that's um, a really important point. And in, and right up at the beginning, I think I said you know most leadership development isn't that impactful long term. I think the uh, you know the Harvard research shows that about sixty five, sixty six percent of it doesn't doesn't really last at all and um you know there's some good reasons for that and i think you know all of us have come out of some great programs where we've felt very fired up and we've felt transformed uh, and that transformation lasts at least 24 hours <laughs> and until we get back to work uh, until we flick into the inbox or, or whatever it is uh, until we remember you know the reality of what we're dealing with um and i and i think the way the way that it sticks is to recognize that it's a journey 
And, you know, it takes place over perhaps a series of weeks or a series of months. And if I think about the best program I did, I mean, when I first became a CEO back in London years and years ago, uh, a nine month program. And I'm still in touch with those people now through our through our LinkedIn um, learning group. And um, that's the sort of, of, of sort of transformation that I think really sticks is where you're on some sort of journey with other people. Um, there's a, there's an honesty and a vulnerability that you're showing as well. And, you know, you're, you're being held to account because you're having to come back together and do these things as well. Um, and your team are involved and it recognizes the fact that there will be good days and bad days. But I don't think anyone became transformed as a good leader in just one or two days. Uh, they might have, it might have opened a few little um, switches for them, but that's about it. So I think um, the trick is is not particularly new. The trick is blending that with different approaches and doing it over a long period of time and making sure that all of it is grounded in the reality of the challenges that they're facing. So no hypothetical case studies, real examples that they're bringing to the table about what's bothering them as a leader. Right. Thanks for that, James. So from a personal perspective, right, say we have a mid-career professional, right, who has sort of plateaued reach their technical leadership capabilities and they want to move to the next level where they need to manage people and get things done through others, right? And how would you go about advising this individual as to what would be the next steps for them from a very personal perspective, right? Because we know perception is reality in terms of how they are seen, right? Once people see us in a certain light, uh, the first challenge is basically to sort of uh, overcome that perception gap in order to move to the next level, right? So what advice would you be able to share for an individual who is in this particular boat? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one, Gerald, because I think the first thing I'd be asking them is, is why? You know, why do you why do you want to move to that different um, layer? You know, why, why have you why do you feel that you've plateaued? And it might be that they say, well, um, there just hasn't been the right opportunities in my organization or I've been in this particular role for five or six years. I just don't feel I have the, the, the challenge and excitement that I had before. And I think, you know, those those motivators will 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 sort of drive us to, to that new level. Um, so if it's that. Well, I used to enjoy the fact that I was learning every day and I was feeling a bit challenged. I don't feel that anymore. Okay, well, that's a great motivator to drive you towards that new reality. If it's simply that, well, all, all my peers have been promoted and I haven't, that's not a particularly strong call to action. So I think first looking at the motivation. Um, second, looking at, at, at actually the practicalities of how you would do that. You know, what 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 behaviors is your organization expecting to see from a leader at that next level? Okay, so that's pretty easy to look at because you can look at how those leaders are behaving. There's probably some competencies and some and some some uh, material about that as well. And then I think in this particularly sort of agile, changing environment that we find ourselves in right now, I think there's more opportunity than ever for people to step up and to actually try those things out. So I, I would the challenge I would give to that individual is to say, well. Okay, there might not be that role at the moment, but I tell you what, I bet there are opportunities within your organization to step up and take on a challenge, even if it's for the next month or two, which will help you to be seen in that different light. And it may just open, you know, all sorts of possibilities, or it may also just tell you that, you know, I actually don't want to be a leader at that level. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it at all. And, you know, both those outcomes are absolutely fine. So I think it's about 
stepping up, seeing opportunity. Um, and 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 look, when I started out um, on my leadership journey, I think what I learned most was not necessarily from books or models. I learned from observation. Observe the leaders around you. How do they? How do they talk? How do they chair a discussion? How, you know, how how do they sort of behave and hold themselves? And what's their body language? There's a lot that we can learn from the people around us. Just as much from we can learn from the leaders we perhaps don't respect that are around us as well. So um, never underestimate the power of observation. I think that's a very interesting insight that you've shared, James, in terms of taking advantage or stepping out into those opportunities. And sometimes we've just got to go out and take them, right? Or volunteer ourselves for them. It might be a small little project, but that actually gives us the opportunity to sort of be seen differently, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I think um, yeah, I, I was very fortunate at various steps in my career. I ended up doing some sort of weird and wonderful things all over the world. Um, and, and someone once asked me, how come I was doing those things? And I just said, well, I, I just put my hand up and said yes. Uh, and, you know, ended up doing those things. I, I became a conference speaker because I, I pushed myself forward to do that. Did I want to do it at the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> did, did I get nervous? Of course. Um, but but you get you get better at these things through practice. And, um, and and it's only really difficult and, and nerve wracking the first few times that you do that. Um, but I think you'll be surprised in situations where if you don't volunteer, no one else will. So you think, well, the opportunities are there. You just have to be bold and, and grab them. In taking up those opportunities, James, what other advice would you give these individuals? Because they want to be able to set, them, uh, set themselves up for success rather than failure, right? So what other support mechanisms in terms of people or structures would you like to see in place in order to ensure that they actually succeed? I, I think, you know, one of one of the great success factors is is having someone guiding you in that as well. So so a, a mentor, a coach, uh, a friend, a colleague, a, a trusted advisor, someone who will be brutally honest with you. <laughs> about how you, how you're behaving or, or or how you could get better or equally when you're being very hard on yourself as we often are with ourselves say actually you know what I, I think you're you're being a little bit hard there you were you were really good at that situation or, or you you did that better than you saw in your mind so I think don't go on this journey alone uh, have people around you who can support you there are some amazing resources out there in terms of uh, you know some reading and some material and some some brilliantly inspiring you know uh, uh, videos, podcasts, all sorts of different things. But, um, and also, you know, I, I think we, we are conditioned perhaps not to not to measure and celebrate achievement as much as we should. So, you know, on that journey, as you step up and do things, um, recognize the small steps that you've taken and, and actually acknowledge that. There will be many things that don't go well. Um, it's a bit like when we look at our to-do list at the moment in this very, very crazy world we're in at the moment. I guarantee no one listening to this will have got through what they thought they would get through today, but they'll very rarely look back and think, well, actually, you've got quite a few things achieved. I just, I just not seeing those. I'm focusing on the negative. So have a guide. Um, be, be kind to yourself <laughs> on that journey as well is what I would say. Right. So I think what you've alluded to is you, we need some form of help, whether it's a mentor or a coach. And the best place yeah. to find the people is within the organization itself. Somebody who's willing to sort of perhaps... Uh, yeah. Uh, be your support. 
Yeah, yeah, sometimes it is. Um, yeah, yeah, and there's a great strength in having that person who understands the organization and the context. Sometimes the best coach and mentor can come from a completely different place. Um, and, you know, I think if you talk about management and leadership, um, I've had amazing, you know, mentors and coaches that have been in completely different environments, but they've been able to say, well, you know, I don't know anything about your business, James, but um, I tell you what, what it sounds like is it's a people challenge or it sounds like it's a it's a personality issue or it's, you know, and, and, you know, that's how they can help. So I think there is such an amount of transferable skill between those platforms as well. So um, if you can't find that help within your organization, you know, don't worry. I think there are people out there who, who will help. Right. What other advice would you have, James, for a mid-career professional who is wanting, who has the, the passion, who has the desire, and who has the sort of uh, drive in order to get to the next level, right? What other advice would you okay. be able to share with them? Okay. Well, the, the other bit of advice, two bits of advice. Um, first of all, um, don't um, believe uh, that leadership is nearly as complicated as, as you might think. So um, I speak about this quite a lot, and I'll share with share with you that there's 32.7 million suggestions on Google about what makes a great leader. Okay, I don't, don't you don't need to go through them all, uh, Gerald. But I'll but but I believe there's only about two or three. I, I believe that a growth mindset is absolutely essential uh, on their journey, and they need that. They need to be able to understand that there will be there will be setbacks, and setbacks are not failure. Setbacks are just discovering a way not to do it next time, which is great. Um, they'll need to be able to lead themselves as well as others. So be proud of the balance they have in their lives. And they'll need to really master the most complicated leadership skill of all, which is conversation. Okay. Um, so they need to understand that, that leaders direct and leaders give inspiration, but they do that just through conversation. So I think um, keeping it incredibly simple, you know, being kind to themselves on that journey and um, really not believing that there's a great mystique about leadership. It's simply about great practice and uh, and trying things out. A difficult conversation with a colleague is only difficult the first time you have it. <laughs> take a deep breath and just do it would be my advice as well. Um, and And take great comfort from the progress that you make on the journey as well. well I think that you touched on a very interesting point, James, in terms of having those um, valuable conversations. And I think to a large extent, it's getting away from the uh, sitting behind our desktops or laptops and writing emails and really sitting in front of someone to have that meaningful conversation. And and it's, it's excellent the way you brought this whole thing together. I think we are going to take some valuable nuggets from it. And I want to thank you for your time, James. Oh, absolute, absolute pleasure, Gerald. Thank you. I look forward to, to meeting in person in, in easier times. I look forward to that <laughs> as well and hope to meet you really soon. Thank you, James. All the best. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. There you go. We had James McCulloch of Inspire Group Asia with some golden nuggets on how mid-career professionals can break through the next level in terms of their leadership capabilities. Go ahead, make a ruckus.